We're still in a series. There's at least two messages. I've got to cut this off and break it down uh, for, uh, for tomorrow. So uh, that's where I'm at. There's just so much in my heart for today. Uh, just to remind you, we are in Matthew 6 where Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. Uh, you'll either, you know, serve one and despise the other and despise and love the other one. And he said, so, hey, it's either God or wealth. And that spirit of mammon that's out there that draws us to a drift to focus on material things, even necessary things in God's mind. He says, listen, don't worry about them. I'm going to, you just seek me first and all these things will be added to you. He even warned us not to be hypocritical with our alms to the poor and, and in prayer and fasting. Do those unto God in secret, and he will bless you. And, uh, and today's message, uh, as we look at these first five verses of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus uses that word hypocrite again. And so we will get, get a little bit more understanding what he's trying to say. But today's message... I am going to look at serious current issues in our uh, country and world. And I normally just wait to do those kind of messages at election time. And a couple weeks or so before an election there in late October, I will, uh, you know, do a message or two about uh, biblical issues that I know God is concerned about. Uh, one would us that we would be uh, along with him pro life, and that we would be pro marriage and family, and would be pro Israel. But I am today going to go beyond those three, uh, and I really had prayed for weeks about whether to do this or not, because I don't want any of us, including myself to lose the primary purpose for the local church. Because the primary purpose of the local church is to preach the gospel to those who don't know him yet. Because if we're not the witness uh, of the gospel to those who don't know whether whatever uh, you know, their uh, political party is or their beliefs are, then we're not doing our primary responsibility in Shelby County, Anderson, Franklin, and Henry Counties. And so I actually uh, took weeks to try to discern, and I believe that God just continued to build in my heart a compelling to get into serious current issues in our country today, and then also, as I found out, will be next week, Lord willing, as well. So I'm going to pray here before I read this passage here. Lord Jesus, I do approach this message with fear and trembling uh, before you, and I'm asking that your word will be uh, infused with your Holy Spirit, that you would teach us, show us, and reveal to us what each one of us needs to hear from your word today. And Lord, ultimately, we pray that you'll be glorified and that the harvest will come in today, that there will be someone who turns their heart towards you on this day. Matthew 7, verse 1, uh, reading through verse 5, says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. 
For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but not... Uh, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take this speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take this speck out of your brother's eye. So my subtitle for this message is, is to judge or not to judge. And Jesus, which is it? Well, I believe he's saying, do not judge a person, an individual. Don't judge them. Because when you do whatever, when when you do it, because we will end up doing it, whatever measure you judge them, will be the same measure that you'll be judged. So, hey, extend grace and extend mercy because then you'll be extended grace and mercy. So just remember that, like, oh, man, I'm going to come down. I'm going to get, they are so, and I can't believe, and you're going to about ready just to, to call it, you know, call them a name or something, say, hold on. Oh, I'm going to be judged with the same measure. I better hold back on that because I want to be have extended grace and mercy when I need it. But I want to say that there is, yes, that there is a process here that God is trying to make us more like him, make us salt and light. So he's saying, look, you've got, uh, you, you both have something in your eyes. He has something in his eye. You've got something in your eye. And work on what's in your eye first. And then, yeah, you can help the other guy. So, and I believe in one of the commentators I read said that the size of the speck, the twig, the log, the plank, whatever it is, in his eye, your eye, it really doesn't matter. Because before God... If Jesus is saying, Stephen, you've got a plank in your eye. I want you to get it out. To him, if he calls it a plank, it's a plank. It doesn't matter if you look in and you see how big it is or not. It matters what, how big Jesus says it is. So we might think, oh, it's a little speck. But in Jesus' eyes, it might be a big old honking tree trunk. And he wants you to deal with it now, honestly. So this is a purifying process that Jesus is turning us into something, a people that's going to be salt and light wherever we go. Because, number one, we're going to humble ourselves. We're going to admit our area of weakness. We're going to help ourselves first before we help someone else. And that is going to safeguard us into, uh, from hypocrisy. So whenever we get motivated and we're saying, oh, I, just, I, gotta, I can't wait till I get, to that, get a hold of that person. I can't wait to tell, give them peace of my mind. I can't. Look at the log in your eye first. 
Let the Lord purify you. When it's all said and done, you might forget about it by then. You might say, oh man, that's something, that's small compared to what Jesus is doing to me. I'm not going to even bring it up. But what it does, when you do bring it up, you would have gone through a purifying process. Another phrase that often comes to my mind, I, I just want us to warn us about, is be careful when you hear something on TV or hear a story from somebody, you know, at another church or in our church, and you say, I would never do that. I can't believe they did that. I would never. Don't say I would never do that. Because that spirit of mammon is, 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 can cause a little gradual drift, and two years later, you might be in the same place. That pride that says, well, I would never do that. I'm way above that. That pride is actually open a, opening a crack bigger for a temptation to grow. And maybe in another area that would be in the end, you know, just as bad of whatever that is. Oh, he wants integrity in his people. He wants us to journey deeper in transformation like him. Let's go to another scripture that speaks about judgment. It's going to, I think, make things a little clearer for us. It's in John chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus is speaking. He says this, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. See, he's saying, look, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a person by its cover. By what they look like out out on the outside of what seems to be happening, there's deeper issues going on. Be that person that waits and tries to learn what's happening, don't judge a person or a book by its cover. And you know, we make decisions all day long. And with each one of those decisions, we're making judgment calls all day long. We really are in situations and determinations. We're asking God for discernment and and wisdom. And we're really making judgment calls all the time. So he's saying, you know, have righteous judgment what jesus is calling let me tell you as parents we are making judging calls with our kids janner's our youngest and she's a young lady now she's off in another state in college home for the summer but we already had a talk that just because she's in another state doesn't mean that i am totally cut out of the picture in her dating life we believe in this concept of that's in the bible that uh that that men were married and women were given in marriage. They were married and given in marriage, and that the headship covering of the parents releases the daughter to another man for covering, and that's why you see at every wedding, one of the first paragraphs says, who gives this woman to be married to this man? Well, that's a Christian tradition out of Scripture where the father releases her into protective covering of, an, of another man. So we're going to try to practice this as best we can from long distance. And let me tell you, when she gives me a text or a ring or whatever it is and says, hey, Dad, I like somebody. He likes me. I want to date this guy. Let's set up a Zoom call. That's why we had the pandemic, so I could have a Zoom call capabilities when she's away at college. And so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be discerning and looking, making some judgment calls on this young man's character course i got some boots on the ground daniel riley's sneaking around spying on things so i'll have some inside scoop we make judgment calls all the time but we want to judge with righteous judgment 
Let's go on to another passage in 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And it's talking about prayer. It's talking about authorities. And that's what we want to do with um, unceasing prayer is pray for our authorities and our police and others. It says this in verse 1 of 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings, be made on behalf of all men. Hey, it said all men. And it lists the, uh, the, the, those who are in authority there. Oh, excuse me, that's the next verse. Sorry. But it says all men. It didn't say just those you like, verse 2. For kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. What if that king, and let me tell you, the body of Christ usually has lived under hostile kings toward Christianity. And and it's saying here, pray for all kings, all men of authority, don't pick and choose, and guess what? Your heart's going to be more at peace. You're going to live a more tranquil and quiet life. Not only will God hear your prayers and affect uh, those in government and authorities, but your own godliness and dignity will grow in the spirit because of your heart that gets soft of praying for someone that might sit, uh, you know, in a seat of authority that you only see on the news, but when you pray for them, they become a real person. Instead of just a figurehead, a title, some uh, you know, name on a billboard. Now it's someone I'm praying for their marriage, their family, for them to be saved. And now I'm seeing them. And therefore, I don't want to, I'm not looking at them to judge them. I'm looking for God to save them or, or, or help them or grace them and bless them. This is how we please God is in prayers and thanksgivings like that. Let's keep reading verse 3 and 4. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. See, it's amazing to to realize, but even those who uh, stand against uh, Christianity and are uh, purposely pursuing anti-biblical measures in whatever field they're in, It is God's will. God's done all that he needs to do for that door to be open for salvation for that person. The same sacrifice on the cross that Jesus did for you and me, he did for him or her. So it was Christ's Father's desire for Christ's death to open the door for all people to be saved. And that means all. And he wants us praying for that harvest in all places of authority, in all realms. Let's not forget in Romans Romans 2, 4 says, Oh, do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Aren't you glad that God's kindness led you to repentance and to salvation and You walk through that door. God's going to do that with the next person and the next person. And in our passion and in our frustration, we can start praying angry prayers on people when actually 
They just need a revelation of God's kindness. And God knows what they need for salvation. He knows how to get that message to them. We have a mission, uh, excuse me, vision statement, abandoned to God and compassionate toward people. We wondered about that second phrase, compassionate toward people. You know, do we clarify what people is that? Well, it's just all people, isn't it? God wants us to be compassionate toward all people, not just church people, not just our friends, but even those who hate us or call us haters. Just the summary of of all the commands is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. It didn't say what neighbor it it is. A Christian neighbor or a non-Christian neighbor. And when somebody moves out of your block, do you pray, oh God, give us a good neighbor, give us good Christian neighbors. Do you pray for that? Well, maybe God doesn't want a good Christian neighbor in there because you live there and they need, God wants you to be salt in life. So maybe a better prayer is the Lord According to your will, I will be salt and light to whoever you bring in there. And I'll see them as appointed by God to be my next door neighbor or down the block. We want to see all people with the same eyes that God sees them. Aren't you glad that we are still living in the season of grace and mercy? But when Jesus comes back with his robe dipped in blood and a sword coming out of his mouth, that's not the season of grace and mercy. But it is now. And in this day and age, there's so many waves and winds blowing, craftiness and scheming and trickeries. And Ephesians 4 is an image of a church. I taught on it a few weeks ago. That's so important uh, to me and the life and the place of living one's church. And it goes like this later in the chapter. It says, Ephesians 4. 4 verse 14, as a result, we are no longer to be children, just tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all specs into him who is head, even Christ. So our maturity and our growth in Christ depends on speaking not just the truth, that can come a little bit easier, but with love, in love. And that's what that extra praying for people softens our hearts, helps us to love that person. It's a both and. Jesus is a both and. It said in John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the father, father full of grace and truth. It's a both and. It's not an either or. And that's my prayer for us, that we can speak the truth in love. We can be both full of grace and truth like Jesus. But I want to say this Memorial Day weekend, for, a new, uh, you know, just because of what's going on in our country, is I have appreciated those who have gone before us and died in combat, died serving overseas serving in the military more this weekend than any other memorial weekend that I remember. I am concerned that the great sacrifices that our forefathers have paid 
much of the, many of the freedoms that they died for are being threatened right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm horrified that it, it really does look like here we are on Memorial Day weekend and our, their, the freedoms they fought for are now getting challenged once again. This time within our own borders. So I want to encourage you that there's ways for you to dig in a little deeper. And I'm grateful for Dan Jesse and Leanne Jesse. They're part of a, a small group of, of families that have been meeting to learn what's a Christian response during this time. And they have a, an event coming up. Uh, if you could throw that back up on the, on the slide there. This is some of the information. If you get a hold of uh, Dan and Leanne, it's a June 6th, 5.30, which I believe is uh, Sunday, correct? At the Webb Farm uh, there in, at, on their property. I'll just read it to you. Faith and Freedom Fellowship, as we recognize the critical state of our nation, we also recognize the need for like-minded patriots to gather and spur one another in an American freedom and Christian faith. There's more to that flyer than that, but I couldn't get it all to fit on there. So I want to encourage you to check in with them. But things like that to where you don't just gripe at home, but you look at ways to learn and grow and be effective or helpful during this time. So as I want to dig now into what is compelling me to go into current issues today, and it's what I'm terming the far left, the radical left, which I believe is actually a demonic strategy from from the heavenlies and rulers in the heavens. I'm going to give you a little definitions of what I mean by this, because not everybody looks at these things Uh, terms the same. But I'm not referring to Democrats or the Democratic Party. I'm not even talking about liberal uh, approach to politics and government. I believe the far left is much different than that and more dangerous than that. A couple of people I've mentioned sometime last year helped me clarify this in my own mind. Dennis Prager has some great... uh, Uh, teaching videos by different scholars. And one was about liberal or leftist was the title of it. Where he says that actually the traditional liberal Democrat in America is not a far left uh, approach as we see it today. They're very different. In fact, they're opposed to each other. And he lists a number of reasons why that is. And at the end of this video, I'm like, why won't they stand up? Why won't the Democrats say, listen, you're, you're going too far. You're getting extreme and radical. Because they don't all believe that. This, is, this, is, this far left uh, agenda is not typical for American government. Rick Joyner's another one that he's a, leads a prophetic ministry in North Carolina. He has a lot of dreams and visions and very colorful, and here is one of them. 
this was last year, he said he saw this, this eagle that was strong and big and, and had, uh, you know, this ability to fly uh, great heights. And, and, uh, but this other more aggressive, larger attack bird came and attacked this eagle on the left wing at the base and injured it and damaged it where this eagle could not fly uh, normal anymore and it couldn't fly with any kind of balance. And he felt like the interpretation of that dream was that's what's happening in, um, in the American federal government right now or maybe more than federal government. It's just that there is an imbalance where there has been an attack on the left, on the side of the classical liberal uh, approach to politics that's disabling it and has caused a balance for many uh, decades in America is now is not there anymore. I'm going to dig in here in a little bit of why I believe the, this far left approach is way more than just what meets the eye. But in Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, the Apostle Paul wants us to let us know that there is a great battle. We just can't necessarily see it in the physical all the time. Starts at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. He has schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against, uh, but against uh, the rulers and against the powers and against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So these are strategic, arranged, demonic forces. Some are, affect the world forces. Some are in heavenly places. Some are actually rulers over other demonic forces. And so there is this stri- a strategic uh, shaping plan that is much bigger than uh, either Democratic Party or Republican Party. It is bigger than the next election. It is bigger than the candidates. It is a demonic scheme. And I'll tell you in a minute in my focus for today to target especially children, the next generation. Now, when you look up, you know, online trying to get a definition, what is, uh, you know, the far left mean? What's the definition of that? I'm just going to read a couple. I don't really like them. I don't really use them. Didn't really help me much. But the far left refers to the highest degree of leftism in politics seeks to perfect Uh, or near perfect equality, either socially or economically, often anti-property, anti-capitalist, anti-fascist, anti-liberal, and anti-conservative. And it's hard for me to grasp all that and and apply it for me. Another one I saw online is, the far left is often used for what is considered revolutionary views, such as communism and socialism. Anarchists are often labeled far left that utilize street riots over voting for change. I want to tell you that I believe in the way I'm going to express what I believe the far left is doing in our country and affecting the world is attacking. It's on the attack. It's on the aggressive position. Therefore, we need to protect, and I'm just going to go through a long list of seven right now. Number one, we need to protect the unborn. We need to protect marriage and family. We need to protect children's innocence. Number four, we need to protect the freedom of religion and speech. 
We need to protect Israel. We need to protect law and order. And then truth slash reality. Because it's just even hard right now to just come to, well, what is reality? What can we agree on as a starting place of this issue? What is reality in a situation? So we can discuss it and try to talk things out. Today, I'm going to focus on one area. Children's innocence. Much like we use the phrase that babies in a womb are humans. They are children. They have rights. Rights to live. Well, children have rights as well. Katie Faust is a woman who grew up with lesbian mothers. She says she's grateful for her loving lesbian mothers. But she's leading an organization and working toward governmental change regarding rights, international rights for children. She said when you really look deeper and you work with children of homosexual parents, they have a hard time being honest that though they like their two dads, but they would really like to also have a mother's love in their life. That though they appreciate their mothers, two mothers, they have a deep innate desire for a father's love and interaction. But they're too nervous or scared to say anything because they don't want to hurt their relationship with their homosexual parents. And so she's leading this charge that, hey, we need to be aware of children's rights, not just adult wishes and desires. My son Michael works for a health care organization called Cancer Treatment Centers of America. He was living in Florida uh, this past year. They moved headquarters up to Chicago. He's in their manager, managerial administrative uh, uh, team. And he told a story to us from one of his experiences while he was at Vanderbilt University. Really loved that school and that experience there. But he would really dove into the Christian community. He joined a Christian fraternity. They, some, of, some schools actually have that. It does exist. and Got involved in navigators, Bible studies. And then so his roommates, they all in different apartments were Christians. And he said, you know, I'm going to go on uh, some outreach trips, but with the university, so there'll be secular service, service projects. And he did a, at least a couple of them, one in Atlanta to serve the poor, one, one of the breaks, Uh, a group of 12 or so, and another time, I believe it was Houston, at a children's hospital and served there for a week. But they tell you at the beginning of the trip, they said, when you go on your trip, every night you'll have time to share your life. One person will have time to share your life story when you get to debriefing and so forth. And, And so every person had a scheduled night to share their life story. So he's going, I'm going to really get to know them well, and I'm going to 
get to share my life story, my witness, and really engage on a deep level. The other thing that they said that you'll do is you need to identify your preferred pronoun when you first get together on the trip. And on this trip, I believe it was with the, uh, the uh, Children's Hospital in Houston, if I remember right, was a lady who wanted to be identified as they. And he said it was a challenge to have a plural pronoun for a single person. You'd have to kind of think about how you're going to say that and, and call out to her and use the pronoun they. But he said, Dad, you know, when you heard her story, you could understand why. You could understand the influences in her life and the confusion that she was in and the search searching that she had been in and was at that time. It's called binary, where uh, non-binary. Binary means you're either male or female, and you're saying, I'm non-binary, I'm neither one of those, I'm something else, I'm neutral or some other gender, so just call me they. Talking to someone who works with teenagers in, in high school here in Shelby County said that Teenage girls are under more pressure than area than ever to experiment with their sexual preference. And the question would be, have you, have you experimented yet? Have you tried it yet? Just assuming that you don't know until you experiment. Talking to a friend the other day, says his heart is broken because at, as a teacher in a local elementary school, he said... I'm noticing lately girls holding hands more than ever, and it, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't, it, it's breaking my heart. Gender confusion or gender dysphoria is a real thing, and that's exactly what it is. Dysphoria is described as distress from confusion and that's exactly right that's what confusion does it causes stress i want to tell you that yes i believe the far left is pushing aggressively this agenda but it's demonic forces that are leading the way and so we need to approach individuals with the heart is, I don't know your backstory, but if I had your backstory, I could, you're probably doing great. You're probably doing a lot better than I would ever do. Where we are not looking at some plank in their eye, we see a plank in our eye, and we just see a speck in their eye. Our children are the target of this dangerous momentum building movement from evil spirits and i want to tell you this work of satan of confusion is as old as the first temptation of satan in the garden it's his normal mode of operation this is what he does i'll just remind you the story 
There's six days of creation and God builds on each one. And on the sixth day, he creates the animals and he creates Adam, the man. And what an incredible species created in the image of God above all other creation. But it wasn't good for him to be alone. So God got more creative and put some beauty in the next one. He said the next one is the pinnacle of creation and he created Eve, the female. And they lived Uh, in perfect harmony with their Father God and with each other. They lived in the Garden of Eden. And Adam was to protect all that's in the garden, protect her. But the very first temptation from Satan, Satan shows up in the garden as a serpent. And he says, Eve, Indeed, has God said, uh, is that really what he said? And, uh, you know, surely you would not die. He just asked a couple of doubtful questions. Uh, He asked a doubtful question, and then he spoke a lie. And, folks, that's what he does today. He'll speak a doubt, then say a lie, give a false promise, and that's what he's doing today. It causes confusion. It causes dysphoria. I believe that this is so basic to human existence that every time Satan puts a doubtful thought into a child's mind of what is my sexual preference, what what is what is my preferred gender, every time they have they have that notion. What they're saying is that, what Satan is saying, God doesn't exist. And if he does exist, he's not good because he's made you a mistake. See, God doesn't exist. You don't have to accept the gender you are. You can explore and decide whatever gender you want. You can change genders. You can go to a a neutral gender and and be a non-binary Listen, God doesn't exist. He didn't create anything at all. You can just do whatever you want. Or if he is real, he made you a mistake. Because you're the wrong gender. You were made wrong. You're messed up. Do we realize that our gender is the basic foundation of our identity. It is where identity starts. Every farmer, when they're birthing calves, you farmers help me, help me here, and the calf comes out, and you're like, okay, good, it's alive, it's healthy. What is it? A male or a female? Every set of puppies you ever had at home or kittens... You're like, well, how many did she give birth to? Well, what, what were the puppies, boys or girls? And you get the number. It is the first question in, back in the old days, right, before there were ultrasounds, and when the baby was born, you say, you know, yeah, the baby's alive, the mama's great, yeah. What is it, a boy or girl? Well, now we just do, you know, uh, uh, gender parties, right? You know, and you, you have these 
uh, big pink parties or blue parties and, and because we know in the ultrasound, it is the first piece of information that we all want to know. It's just natural about it. It's the first step of identity. And Satan's going right after it. See, you, you can't even be sure about your, the most basic start of who you are. You can't even be sure of. Life is so confusing. It is so up in the air. These are lies that are confusing our young people. Instead, Jesus, in his word, God's word, makes it clear. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts, David said. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. It's just confusion, and it may pass as you get older or with some some encouragement, prayer, and some counseling, and, and some encouragement on some maybe some wounds and some lives spoken to you, this will, can pass. It'll pass. It's not that big deal. It's not something that is unsurmountable. We're talking about God the Creator created you fearfully and wonderfully. He can restore your broken soul. 60 Minutes in their program, I believe it was just about a week ago, had a, was doing a, a segment on... the health care of transgender people and how the health care wasn't as good and that's kind of what their focus was. But part of the segment, and they went into it fairly deeply, was they interviewed 30 young transgenders who were now detransitioning back, either had or wanted to. 30 of them, and they did these interviews and these young people are saying, you know, I just had a couple of meetings and they started the hormone therapy and in three months I had surgery. One girl said, within 12 months I pursued transgender and hormonal therapy and surgeries and then went back again and went the other direction with more surgeries, all within 12 months. They're saying, we're, one kid said, I didn't get any pushback. It was, there was, there's not enough. So it's just too easy, folks. They would go through all these processes and surgeries permanently, changing their bodies, and they still wouldn't be fulfilled. During the process, there was anticipation. There was excitement. Oh, look what's happening and this and that. And, they got to, and then at the end, it, one of the attorneys who are actually trying to support, was trying to squelch this approach to interview those who are detransitioning. In fact, 60 Minutes got heat from this. 
that you shouldn't be sharing those stories because it's discouraging to those who are pursuing transgender lifestyle. And one of the lawyers said, transitioned youth are four times more likely to commit suicide. Well, come on, attorney, then stand against it. Listen to how dangerous it is. Children are the target of this evil scheme from the devils. See, God made it clear in Genesis 1, verse 27 and 28, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This was God's design. This is on purpose. Then he said, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And on the end of that, and end of that day, you know, every day God said it was good, but at the end of that day, the sixth day, he said it's very good. The word matrimony comes from the word matriarch. Matriarch means motherhood. Marriage is the only relationship created and designed by God to produce offspring, to create mothers. Same-sex marriages don't do that. That's not a marriage then. It's just two guys together, two women together. Please don't change the meaning of marriage that we've had since the beginning of time. Call it something else. It's the unique relationship where God designed it to be man and woman together to procreate for children and have the best possible way for a baby to child to see God's image where he created them both male and female and them living in covenant relationship. The children, it's the first curriculum of what God is like is both male and female. But God has even more identity planned for you. Yes, gender is the foundation. It's the starting point. And God is clear in his word. And he is able to set you free of anything that would hurt and damage that foundation of our identity. But God has an eternal identity. Looking at Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26 through 29, the Apostle Paul actually brings up in this passage race and economic status and gender in this passage. He says, For you all are sons and, of course, daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. See, it's not something you earn. Relationship with Jesus is not something that you be a good person and then you're finally there. It's not something where uh, you have to go to church every Sunday and get dressed up. But it's by faith that you say, yes, I want 
the sacrifice that Jesus has done and gone before. He is the one that paid the price on the cross and suffered. He's the one that rose from the grave. He's the one that opened the door and said, I've done the work. Just say yes. Just say yes by faith. Believe. Say yes. Please forgive me, God, of all of my sins and my blood will wash you clean. This salvation, the work has been done. The price has been paid. Verse 27 says, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. So when we're in Christ, we have, uh, we're clothed with Him. We, have, we wear His colors. We wear His family robe. We are in His family. And there is an identity that's deeper than race. There's nothing wrong with race. Be proud of where God, uh, uh, where you were born and what nation you lived or people you grew up in. Be, there's nothing wrong with being uh, slave or free. In the sense of, if that's where you were born in, a, in a, a serving family or a free family, listen, there's, you're, no, you're no better either way. Your value, your worth is the same. Male or female is not a greater identity than being a son or daughter in Christ. That is who you are. You, verse 29, and if you belong to Christ, and if you have Jesus as Lord and Savior, then yes, you do. Then you are Abraham's descendants. Heirs according to the promise. All the heirs, all the promises that Abraham received in the Old Testament are yours through Christ. These are your heirs. So Jesus wants us to believe and trust in and to embrace our eternal identity that starts now and passes through death. That more than being a boy or girl, even though that's, that's where it begins, you, we are eternally belong to the father we belong we're not alone we've been closed with christ as i get ready to uh pray here in a moment i want us the lord by the Holy Spirit to ask us to show us, excuse me. Lord, do I have a speck, a twig, a plank, a log? Do I have anything in my eye that you want me to honestly before you deal with it? And then I want all of us to be encouraged. We need this. Not just someone who is struggling with confusion about their identity right now, but all of us, let's take these home. That you and I, we are not a mistake, but we are beautifully designed, beautifully made. That we can be set free from confusion by truth spoken in love.
and that we have an identity as God's son or daughter. And that is an identity that sticks. It lasts forever. So Lord Jesus, I just pray for us right now. That all of us here, all of us online, anyone watching later on, that we'll recognize this evil attack on us, on our children, on our children's children. And Lord, we say to these deceiving demons, be gone, stop over our children and grandchildren in Jesus' name. You thoughts of doubts, you thoughts of confusion, leave in Jesus' name. You're full of lies and false promises. Lord, we pray for clarity. We pray for clearness. We pray for the truth to set us free, our children free, our grandchildren free. We pray that they hear from you from heaven and realize how beautifully they're made. And what what wonderful inheritance, what a wonderful plan you have for their life. And Lord God, we want to walk in freedom. And Lord, to be at peace in our own hearts. That we are your son, we are your daughters. I'm going to encourage you to worship with us and during this last song. I'm going to ask the altar ministry teams to pre-come to the side. and They're available for any prayer needs that you have or things going on at work or home. And then I'll say a concluding blessing in just a moment.
the Lord make his fine excuse me the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom everything as it really ought to be nothing missing and nothing broken may you put your full weight down and rest in the hammock of his smile of approval for you for in Christ Jesus you are approved may you walk underneath the warmth of his presence and hear a voice behind you saying this is the way walk in it you're blessed in order to be a blessing and yes God is good he didn't make any mistakes and this is his goodness his heart of goodness over you he wants to bless you with his love and grace as he enjoys looking over you and shining his face on you have a great weekend with the activities you'll be involved in friends and family have a great week love y'all see you soon To Jesus I surrender me.